Good morning. Please stand as you are able and join me in an invitation to worship. It is inside the bulletin. I give you all the credit, God. You got me out of that mess, and I didn't face those loads. Excuse me. God, I yelled for help, and you put me together. You pulled me from the grave and gave me another chance at life. I am about to burst with song. I can't keep quiet about you. God, my God, I can't thank you enough. Amen. Amen. Would you join us for our opening hymn? Lead me, guide me.
Good morning. Good morning, Middle Church. You may be seated. I'm Bertram Johnson. I'm one of the pastors here. My pronouns are he, him, and his. And it's my honor to welcome you to our time of worship this Sunday. Uh, one of the things we love to do is to recognize people who are visiting with us for the first time. So if you raise your hand, just uh, raise it high so that our ushers can see. They're going to bring you a little something. <laughs> Wonderful. And I met some folks. We have friends from uh, New Jersey and Rhode Island, uh, friends from New York, but other places. There's some friends from France here today. Oh my gosh. It's like a field trip. Thank you all. Where else are there people visiting from? Arizona and Buffalo, I know, and Brazil. Ah, my coração. Other friends visiting today. From France. A UCC pastor from Tennessee. Welcome, friend. Great to have you here. From where? From the UK. Welcome. And here in the back. Pennsylvania? Australia, yes. Any more? Friends, wherever you are, know that you are welcome. Oh, did I miss one? Oh, yes. Arizona and Buffalo. We got them. Yes. Thank you very much. Friends, wherever you are in the world, whether you're in New York or Brooklyn or in Florida or in Brazil, you can watch us every Sunday online. At 11.45, you can turn on, your in, uh, turn on the internet, you can watch us on YouTube or, or Facebook or on the church website, and we'd love for you to worship, worship with us that way. Also, wherever you are in the world, you can also join. You can take part in this movement of love and justice that's transforming the city and transforming this world. Uh, and there'll be an opportunity to meet with me or an usher afterwards. You can sign up. You can actually do it from your phone right now. Just put in your, your name and your email address, and we'd love to stay in contact with you that way. And we'll send you a newsletter just to let you know of the things that are happening through this congregation. One of the things I do want to let you know about next week, which is Mother's Day here in the U.S., uh, Eve Ensler the writer of the Vagina Monologues, the creator of the Vagina Monologues, will be our guest preacher here in worship. And so bring your friends, bring your mom, your aunt, your uncles, everybody, bring your cousins to be in worship with us that day. Uh, this Tuesday night, Middle Out Loud has been revived and we're having our second gathering. If you want more information, that's up on the screen and you can find out there. Also, a month from today is our Gospel Choir Spring Concert. If you know our gospel choir, you love their music, come out on that Sunday afternoon to worship with us in celebration there. Um, also, I want to let you know, uh, because this movement is so important in the transformation of lives, of uh, faith communities, and reframing Christianity, it takes also your support. And so there are three ways you can give. You can give during offering, during worship. We have dip jars. You just slide your uh, credit card in. You can find that in the social hall. And you can also give online. And so when you go on and join later on today, you can also make a donation to support this ministry. Um, one last thing is that there's a film that Reverend, Jackie, Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis is in that's screening today. It's part of the Tribeca Film Festival. It screens at 1 o'clock. We will be done with worship by then. You can get there. Uh, there are only rush tickets left, and I think they're, uh, they're $24 each, but it's at the theater on 2nd and, and 12th, so just a few blocks up. Friends, again, it's, we're grateful to have you, and also for our friends who are worshiping online. Let's turn around and send a wave. Blessings to you wherever you are. We pray that you feel God's presence uh, with you there in your pajamas or in your coffee shop as we feel it here. God be with you all. And now Marta is coming for our time of prayer. 
My name is Marta. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And on this rainy Sunday morning, I'm honored to invite you into a moment of silence. God, we come to you with so many different thoughts and emotions today, with heavy hearts, wells of gratitude, big questions, and still reminders of what your kingdom looks like. As the people of Sri Lanka continue to respond to the tragedy that hit multiple churches on Easter, we grieve with them. We remember the siblings that are still picking up the pieces, feeling the uncertainty of how to proceed without loved ones. Be near them in this place of brokenness. Keep them near our hearts and our minds. God, we are beyond frustrated and heartbroken to once again be processing gun violence in our country. For the shooting at UNC Charlotte this past week, we mourn with the families and friends. We think of Riley Howell's community as he stopped the attacker but gave his life in the process. We ask, how long, O oh Lord, how long will we neglect to respond to these tragedies with compassion and reformed gun laws. Now as students and educators prepare for end of term assignments and assessments, we pray for all clarity and focus. We think of those preparing for graduation and other big transitions in life. May they know your presence in new ways through these changing seasons. As our Muslim sisters, brothers, and siblings prepare for Ramadan, we ask that this holy month of fasting would be one marked by peace and by unity. We mourn the places of religious-based violence and discrimination, especially those in recent seasons. Show us how to be sowers of your peace in our neighborhoods and in the global community at large. As rockets are again launched in the ongoing Israel-Gaza conflict, and as the death toll rises this morning, we pray for a ceasefire. We know that you, God, do not delight in suffering. May we work together and learn from the peace builders who have gone before us and who are responding now. God, many of us are grief struck by yesterday's passing of Rachel Held Evans, a prophetic voice and leader who invited us to not be afraid of doubt, but to ask difficult questions of ourselves and of God. Thank you for the multitude of ways that Rachel proclaimed a more just and expansive vision of your love 
We pray for her husband, Dan, and her two young kids in this time of shock and deep mourning. Help us continue the love and justice work that Rachel's life was marked by as we are members of your kingdom. We ask that your reign would come in all of these places. Thank you that you hear our prayers. We pray all of this in your many names. Amen. Now as we enter into the Lord's Prayer, you may stand as you're able and link up arms if you choose. You're invited to say this prayer in any language you learned it in, and there's an inclusive version printed in your bulletin. Let's pray. Ever-loving and holy God, Now, as we pray for and proclaim God's peace, please extend that to one another. Peace be with you.
Amen. Amen. And now hear a word from the Lord found in the Gospel of John, chapters 21, verses 15 through 19. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to them, him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, choir. Appreciate you so much. And I, Mar Marta just left to start a meeting, but what a beautiful prayer that was, right? Just beautiful today. Will you say a, a prayer with me? God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And I ask, as we all seek to hear a word from you, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amanda read you the back story. <clears throat> this is a front story. It's in Luke's gospel, the story of Peter denying Jesus. When they seized Jesus and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house, Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. And then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light, looked closely at him and said, this man was also with them. But Peter denied it, saying, woman, I, I don't know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man was also with him, for he too is Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. I used to be so judgmental of Peter. What kind of man are you? Go sit in the backdrop while they 
persecute your leader, your teacher, your, your rabbi, hang back in the cut and not stand up and not go close enough, not even try to intervene. And then when it's time to acknowledge him, you're just going to say, I don't even know him. I don't even know him. I was so judgmental of that. I wouldn't have done that, I think, to myself. I mean, how could you do that? It's shameful. How could you love somebody, hang out with somebody for three years? How could you have such a close relationship with somebody? And then act like you don't know them. When I was really young, I thought, well, Peter was a liar. I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. That's a lie. But it was, it's deeper than that, right? It's, it's, I don't know you, which is a different kind of betrayal. I don't know you. You think I do and I don't. I have been paying attention and I missed something really important about who you are, about what you want from me. Have you ever been betrayed by somebody who you thought really knew you? Somebody misunderstood your character? Somebody didn't get what you were up to, what you were about? Has that happened to anybody in the room? That feeling of misunderstanding? I would never say that. You know me better than that. You know me better than that. I don't mean that. I used to be so judgmental of Peter. I would never betray my Lord. Except I do at least once a week, betray what I think God wants from me, what I think God desires from me. I'm going to just talk straight to you. Because I think in this season of holy days, our Muslim friends are going to begin Ramadan tomorrow. We wish them a Ramadan Mubarak, a blessed Ramadan. They'll They'll fast all day long. They won't even drink water until the nighttime. And they'll do that so they can empty themselves, open themselves up to a kind of holy inventory, a check-in about how they're doing in the God department. Our Jewish friends just finished this incredible time of holy days, and they are still in the space of looking at what it means to be in relationship with God and what God respects of them, expects of them. And I'm, I'm having the same kind of interrogation right now of my own life. And I'm, I'm judging Peter. I've got a big, a big log in my eye about Peter. But I betray God at least once a week. And I'm going to tell you what it is, and you're going to think, oh, that's not really a betrayal. But it is. One of the most holy commands in all of the Hebrew scriptures is the command to take Sabbath. The command to put it down, to let it go, to turn off the electronics, to not even push an elevator button if you're really keeping Sabbath as a good Jew. There's the the elevator you can take because it'll keep running, right? And you don't have to touch it. You cook the night before so you don't have to touch it. You let it go, you put it down, you... Stand back away from work. And you do it because God said to do it. 
And every week, week in, week out, I don't take a Sabbath. I don't. I don't take it. Why? I could say I'm busy. You know I traffic and busy. How many of you traffic and busy? Oh, girl, I'm so busy. Makes you feel good to be that busy. But it really isn't why I don't do it. I think it's deeper than that. I think it's a little bit about how I don't believe that God can do it without me. Yes, honey, that's my issue. <laughs> I've got oldest child syndrome. I grew up co-parenting my siblings. I, I, I didn't think it was a narcissistic wound, but I bet it was. Therapist, help me. But somehow I organized my whole personality around what will I do today? How will I today help mommy? How today will I help dad? Today I'm baking cakes and tomorrow I'm out trying to help change the tire and I'm cutting the brother's hair and I'm not doing a good job because I'm only nine, but I'm doing it. They're lined up here, Bertram, but that's okay. It's cut. I'm doing, 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 doing. That's me. I'm organizing my life to be good, to do good is the way I'm organized. And that is actually idolatry. So I betray my God by not keeping Sabbath, and I betray my God by making my own work an idol. Somebody help me, Holy Ghost. And it's serious, right? Because then I'm a cranky... <clears throat> Tougher, you know? And not, not so much at work, because I know that doesn't work really well. Your staff will beat you up. But at home, I am a river of unease. I'm a river of talk. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. I got to do that. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Somebody else didn't do this. Oh, my God, can you believe that's on the news? What's on the Twitter? Oh, my God. I'm just stanky and cranky, a river of unease. So by the time I get some time with John, I'm no fun to be with. Yes, Michael. Does anybody relate to this thing I'm talking about? Now that's my stuff. What's yours? I betray my intention to be a centered, holy, spirit-filled woman of God by my sense that I have to do it or it's not going to happen, and my sense that God can't be God unless I'm also being, oh my gosh, God with her. What's yours? For some of you, it's maybe I'm not going to get in the game enough because I'm afraid I'm going to get hurt. Or for some of you, maybe it's I'm going to keep the thing that happened to me that you did to me, I'm going to keep it tied so close to my body, I'm never going to let it go, never going to let it go, never going to let the wound go because I am defined by the wound and I'm going to punish you forever. <laughs> For some of, it's, of, of us, it's just absolutely no trust. Our childhood was not trustworthy. Therefore, we, don't, we have a hard time trusting people. We have a hard time building relationships and we have a hard time trusting God because we did not ever internalize a trusting thing. Is any, you don't have to raise your hand, but yeah, right? 
And for some of us, we function in the world by just overdoing something like alcohol or food or powdery substances or pills or sex. Oops. Or that can even be the work thing, right? But the, just the churning, churning, churning is, a, is a, an obsessive place to keep us from feeling our feelings and keep us from admitting our vulnerability. We don't mean to be the things we're not. We want to be the things we want to be, but it's really personally difficult sometimes to rise up out of the patterns, to shift gears, to change focus. We're old. I'm old. We're old. Can you really, how much of your personality can you change? Only 15%, the psychologists say. But here's the thing. Peter was being Peter when he betrayed Jesus. Just being himself. Both rocket to help you, but also I'm terrified and I'm just not going to be able to claim you today. And his betraying Jesus did not stop God's plan for Peter to be the church. I mean, he was Peter. He was Simon. A kind of unsteady, uh, impulsive, fearful dude. And he's still the rock upon which God built the church. So though I betray my God at least once a week, Natalie, at least once a week, I am still qualified for the revolution. Though I am unworthy, though I am still in process, though I am broken and have my own terrified feelings of inadequacy if I don't, fulfill something. I'm still qualified for this revolution. I'm qualified for it because God is in the forgiveness business. Do you love me, Peter? Uh, yeah. If you do, feed my sheep. I say, do you love me? Um, yes, we covered this. If so, tend my sheep. Peter, do you love me? God, okay, okay, Jesus, I, I'm annoyed with you now. I told you I love you. Feed my sheep. I mean, there's all kinds of commentaries about why three times and what's the Trinitarian, blah, blah, blah. I'm just saying Jesus just kind of kept at it. Maybe Jesus needed to be reassured that Peter knew what he was talking about. But that moment, just like the moment when the dying thief is being forgiven on the cross, just like when Jesus is being crucified and prays, forgive them for they know not what they do. Right there, right then, Peter's in a fresh start moment. The revolution doesn't depend on how good we are. The revolution depends on the grace, the amazing grace, the stunning grace of the one who loves us enough to see past our faults and see the goodness therein. I think one of the tricks of the enemy I still believe in the enemy, is we can feel so burdened with our unstuff, what we're not, that we can just be paralyzed and stand on the sidelines waiting for perfection. And it's not coming. Say that with me. It's not coming. You and I 
are revolutionary material. Not despite our humanity, but because we're human and flawed and a teeny bit screwed up. So bit. So until the perfection happens, until the reign of God comes and makes us all whole and perfect and holy, we just have to take our broken bits with us on the path to holiness, expecting God to love us all along the way and to transform us with love. But we got to keep moving in the meantime. I'm going to try to take Sabbath so John and I can stay married. It'll be 14 years. I'd like 14 more. But every day I fail, God's going to use me anyway. And you too. Amen. My wonderful, beautiful consistory is helping out on Sunday worship. Isn't that great? Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. (laughs) Friends, each of us, no matter our circumstances, fail to yield to our better angels. We betray our best hopes. Our dreams elude us. We let down our people, and we let down our God. But in the most amazing grace, our humanity is designed by the Holy One. We're loved beyond imagination, and that love draws us to the light. We are called, commissioned, anointed, and appointed to feed God's sheep, to be hands, feet, heartbeats of love made flesh. We come to this table for bread for the journey. We come to this table to drink the cup that quenches our thirst for righteousness. This is the bread that's broken for you and for me. And this is the cup of blessing poured out for you and me. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we take in the radical love of the one who came that we might have abundant life. And we are transformed by this love, powered by this love to love the world and to feed the world. And so we eat and drink, anticipating the reign of God to come. And you, fellow get it wrongers, (laughs) you, people in process like me, Amanda, Bertram, all of you are welcome just exactly as you are as you came through the door. So come, the children are gonna help you. Eat on the holy meal of life. We're going to come from the front to the back, from the sides to the center.
Join me in this brief communion prayer. Holy One, thank you for feeding us on your word and with this holy meal. Make us instruments of your peace in the name of love. Amen. My name is Jen Hagedorn. I use she, her pronouns, and it has been my great honor to serve you all as one of two middle interns this year. And I've gotten to work on stewardship this year, and I want to tell you some of the reasons I've come to love it. I love that talking about money requires messy, beautiful vulnerability, owning what we've learned, letting go of some of it, and creating new stories for our lives today. I love the faithfulness of people who give small amounts of money every week, planting mustard seeds that sprout a revolution. I love the steadfastness of people who give such odd and specific amounts. I know it must be a tithe, that spiritual practice of giving 10% of your paycheck. I've come to realize that stewardship isn't just about what our money does or creates here at Middle, but it's also about what it does and creates inside each one of us. Directing our funds towards what matters helps us build a movement for love and justice, and it builds that spiritual muscle of partnership with God. As one of the people in the building who's been watching our financial numbers every week, let me just say, if you've been thinking we're going to make it to our goal of $725,000 by June 30th without you, think again. <laughs> we need every gift right now. As a student about to graduate, I could have found lots of reasons not to give. But I've had a recurring donation going all year here because this world and this work requires us to go all in all in on justice, all in on personal transformation, all in as we build an anti-racist, queer, audaciously beautiful glimpse of the kingdom of God here at Middle. Life is too short to do it any other way. Will you join me? Yes. <laughs> if you've been praying about giving, today is your day. You can pull out your phone, like for real, actually, in real life, you can pull out your phone. Any other phones in the room? Let's see them, let's see them. You can set up a recurring donation online. You can make a one-time gift. You can put money in the offering bag in just a moment or use one of the dip jars in the social hall if you'd like to make a gift with your credit card. You can see Bertram up front here at the pulpit after worship if you're looking to get more involved. Thank you for being a church that knows how love transforms. I have been transformed by the love and dedication and of how the Holy Spirit continues to move, swirl, dip, dance, and sing here at Middle Church. Thanks be to God.
Let's pray. God, for the ways your spirit has moved in and around and through us today, we are grateful. And for how your spirit will go with us when the doors open, we are also grateful. For the gifts that have been given today that represent our desire to do more for this world. Thank you. And God, please help us also remember that taking Sabbath, taking rest is also a gift. Help us find the places and the spaces to give each other that gift this week. Amen. Friends, I invite you to remain standing and sing our final hymn, Here I Am, Lord, on the back of your bulletin.
Our Muslim friends begin Ramadan tomorrow, so Ramadan Mubarak to them, a time of reflection and contemplation and fasting and celebration and self-assessment. How am I doing in my quest to be obedient to God? Our Jewish friends just finished um, Passover and they're in the days of awe and wondering the same kinds of questions. That makes me ask, how am I doing? How am I doing, God? Um, I got stuff. All God's children got stuff. <laughs> and the thing is, our lives are a journey toward better. Um, walking in the space of grace to the best wholeness and wellness that we can be. And what's really amazing is we don't have to be perfect before God uses us. People, do you love God? I say, do you love God? Yes. Then feed God's sheep on love. And you're one of them too, so feed yourself. Okay. Amen. Amen.